Good morning and welcome everybody to a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Scott Belford, normally joined by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. But as he put it yesterday, this is the fucking sickest I've been in a decade to me. So I was like, okay, we're going to. We're going to bring in our, our big pinch hitter off the bench here. And Joel, you've done a couple episodes with me the last week. So it works out well because a lot of these comments are about some of the stuff that you have said. So before we get into this, I do want to explain to everyone what happened on Friday's episode. Because I'm sure it seemed incredibly weird and just odd. Joel, I don't know even know if you know that this is what we did. But we literally took you and I talking about around the horn, or that's what we were supposed to be talking about, and wound up into a 45-minute rant about the Atkins press conference. Um, so we just released that on Friday because Adam was so sick that he couldn't do anything. And I even said to him, I'm like, Adam, I'll lay down an intro so that people know what the heck's going on because this just sounds like two dudes uh, got baked and just yammered baseball for an hour without needing to show their work or anything like that, right? And then just released it. And that's exactly what happened. I, I know you folks on YouTube, you've made me check my work. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I'm back in high school. Show your work, Scott. And that was an episode where no work was shown. Uh, Joel and I, we just spewed stuff out from the heart. And if you disagree with it, that's totally fine. I might disagree with it if I listen back to it too um it was just kind of a fun baseball talk that we thought we'd release so if it did seem off the wall and weird that is why all right joel with all of that yammered out what an intro we're gonna get into it my friend so the very first one and i am excited to talk this subject with you teoscar hernandez we got a bunch of messages about that um everyone you can get a hold of us on twitter at walkoff podcast instagram the walkoff podcast and of course, Patreon is you get the bump. So you get the automatic uh, question in the bag here. So there were about half a dozen on Teoscar Hernandez. I did MLB Mondays yesterday for the Patreon. And basically, I had said I was just really happy for Teoscar. You know, I've been a fan of him since they traded for him in 2017, the Blue Jays, moving Francisco Liriano for him and then developing him into a, a power hitting outfielder that Help the Blue Jays make the playoffs, not get over the top of that hill, but at least make the playoffs in 2021 and 2022. Uh, he was signed to the Dodgers just two days ago, I think it was, $23.5 million. And Joel, eight and a half of that being deferred. Uh, yes. Most of the comments were along the lines of what I just said. I'm happy for Teo. So this is uh, Johnny from Patreon. He says, I'm happy for Teo too. That's great money for him. But holy moly, just when I thought I couldn't hate the Dodgers more, dot, dot, dot. So what is your thoughts on the Dodgers going out and getting a lefty masher in Teoscar Hernandez, a guy who um, obviously has shown that he has 20 to 30 home run power and pretty regular power at that. Guy who strikes out quite a bit, maybe a liability a little bit in the outfield, but seems like he's going to slot in nicely in this Dodgers lineup. Yeah, uh, I would I would think so. Um, there's two opinions that roll inside you. One is the opinion that you said, you just feel good for Teo. There's no, I don't ever have any hard feelings for Teo. He's not one of those players who left, like flipping us off as he went. No, I, I'm I'm very sad that, we lost him when we did. I 
that's the four hole bat that we've needed for the last you know last season that was since that he was left <laughs> since he left we haven't filled that hole um yeah um i it's nice to see it it's nice to see a one year deal for him because in that position he can take a run at a world series he can slot himself in the lineup where he stays healthy he's probably going to knock in 100 plus runs and the weight isn't on his shoulders kind of there, there was some weight on his shoulders in Seattle to perform with a lineup that wasn't mm-hmm. as stacked around him. So this is a situation where he pretty no much pressure. To, yeah. Reload his free agency. Um, he puts up 30 home runs, 110 RBIs, and then he's looking at four or five years at 20. So a year. So it, it, it checks all the boxes for him, allows him to go win in the short term, really great money. 23 and a half, I think was the deal. 23 and a half. 23 and a half million, uh, eight and a half million of that is deferred from 2030 to 2038. So the old Shohei trick there, but still a very good one year deal. And Joel, I know that the rumors, Jim Bowden uh, released a rumor, I think it was three, four days ago, right before he signed that a lot of the offers for Tay Oscar were in the three year, 45 to 50 million range. So if that's the case- Yeah. So if that's the case, then you know what? I think you're really onto something here where what a great play for the Dodgers. What a great play for Teoscar because he's probably increasing what he would get by about $8 million for this first year. And really in that Dodgers lineup where he's going to be able to breathe, he's going to have big bats all around him. He's going to be hitting in the five or six hole. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez could very well line himself up for bare minimum getting that $23.5 million this year and then still being in line for three to four years in that $50 million AAV range anyway. And that's just yeah. if he just does what he did this year. And I think the possibility for him to increase those numbers are substantial. Yeah, and he's pretty much in a situation – next year where Solaire is this year. So it gives mm-hmm. him that. And and the fact that Solaire's 31 isn't really dissuading anybody on, well, like I have, he hasn't been signed yet, but people are pretty much looking at three to four million, three to four years for Solaire. They'll be looking for the same thing for Teo next year. So that contract that he could take this year is available, will be available to him next year. Yeah. So why not take be. a singular stab at it and, you know, try to put a ring on your finger. He'd need to match Chapman it for yeah, those to, offers to disappear. You know, I really doubt that. Over, he plays 140, 145 games. He's going to knock in 95 plus. Yeah, it's just like his he, his bat does project like it will slow down as he gets older. But that said, I think he'll be fine next year, right? Especially if he puts up if he puts up 30 home runs in that Dodgers lineup, which. I'd give it a 50-50 shot that he does and almost 100% that he's over 25 as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, he can just roll it back and still probably be that three-year, $60 million guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't see why not. Okay, we'll leave it at that and move to the next question. This one's from Twitter. So again, at Walk Off Podcast, you can DM us for your questions and comments. Hey, guys, just a question for Mailbag. Not sure if you have elaborated on it, or I missed it. This is from Kikuchi's Beard. He said, I heard Matt Hag, the minor league hitting coach that had so much success with guys in Buffalo, is moving up to the big team. 
it seemed like a very quiet move. What's his role? Was it quiet for any real reason due to Mattingly's new oversight role of the hitters, maybe? Seems like a no-brainer and a move a lot of fans would be happy with. Any insights appreciated. So he is talking about Matt Hag, who has been the hitting coach and strategist for the Buffalo Bison, the AAA team uh, affiliate of the Blue Jays for the last three years. Matt Hag had some big-time success last season. I know that arguably you could say the Buffalo boys at a moment in August saved this Blue Jays season. And of course, I'm talking about David Schneider and his historic run. I'm talking about Ernie Clement and coming up when Boba Shett was down and feeling in incredibly admirably and uh, putting up similar numbers to what Bo was at the plate, which is insane. And of course, Spencer Horowitz, the left hitting specialist and first baseman all three of these guys saw some significant time over that august span where there were some injuries and problems and a lot of the credit a lot of the positivity for how well they did at the plate came from the plan and the strategies that had been put out by matt hag so is this a good move joel i can't see why um, not yeah assistant hitting coach is i think the role that they've yeah. given them right now um, yes. we, we had talked about this earlier about how those young guys were the guys who came up and literally actually had an approach. You didn't mm -hmm. actually see an approach from anybody else. Um, th th there was a, a push to hit the ball more to the opposite field. Um, Davis Schneider did not get that memo. Um, he came up. And thank and God was, he didn't. Yeah. And he was, <laughs> was pulling stuff. He was, he was getting ahead of pitches and driving them and, um, showing a lot of, uh, almost like a, an Alex Bregman like approach. He, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to chase early in counts. Horowitz was kind of doing the same thing. They weren't going to chase early in counts. They were going to stretch out their bats, trying to find something that was hanging out over the middle of the plate so they could do some damage. It's a pretty basic approach. You know, mm -hmm. it's not that you're not really asking too much when you do that, but you can be consistent. You stay consistent when you don't go after pitchers pitches and we saw that all season long, especially from Vladdy, was, you know, um, pushing beyond where you should be looking for pitches, uh, extending your strike zone and and suffering all season because of it. So you got to be able to go up there. You got to be able to focus on a specific area. But then at the same time, you have to look at who's who you're up against. If you're up against a fastball slider guy, you got to be picking up that fastball, spitting on that low and away pitch. So it's, yeah, just the fact that there will be an approach, I believe, this year because, well, the only approach was coming from AAA. Now AAA, that AAA coach is, is up here trying to spread that across the entire team. So it's kind of, I, I hope it leads to some more positive outcomes across the board. And you, you see a general I, approach from the entire team as opposed to. I was youth. just going to say that. I was just going to say that, that the entire approach hopefully changes this season and that they look at what happened analytically last year. And I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, but a new approach or uh, some tweaking definitely needs to go on. Because for Ross Atkins to hit that press conference and talk about how he really thinks that last year was an admiration. And who knows? Maybe it was, but that's really hanging your hat on a very scary hook, in my opinion. And I, I think that he's aware of that. He's kind of, you know, having his own back here, as Ross Atkins is prone to doing, as, as long as there's no one else in the way where that he could push into a bus, he's going he's gonna to oh. back himself up. 
Um, so hey. yeah, I, I mean, I think a new voice is a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I wish there was a new voice in that uh, press conference that he did because <laughs> uh, I just like no offense to the, to the um, you know the people doing the questioning in there, but they really let him off the hook. They let him off the hook so much in that interview. the The idea that all the players needed was more support, and that's his job to give. No, yeah. the players needed more support in the lineup. It was, it's not his job to go out and hit 25 home runs and knock in 90. It's not, that's not his job. And the, the idea that they just need more support when more bats are on their way out as of right now, like granted, there's still more time to replace some of that power, but to say that there's power in this lineup, those comments like, Oh, there's plenty of power. And no, there wasn't last year. And, and that mm-hmm. a lot of that power is left belt and, Chapman have not re-signed. They were key elements of our offense last year. Chapman. This is was- an interesting stat, Joel, just to, and I'll, I'll let you jump right back in after I give it. So Chapman and Belt made up 26% of the extra base hits the Blue Jays had last year, which, yeah, 22.4% of the walks that the Blue Jays had came from Belt and Chapman. So, yeah, I know Chapman was definitely at times uh, detrimental to this team, but that's a lot of extra base hits and a lot of walks to make up for here. Yeah, he he was a 110 OPS plus, I think, around there, 10% above average. That's not the sexiest number, but it's you're an above average bat. You're an above average bat, and what's coming in right now is Falefa right now is going to mm-hmm. be getting our third baseman uh most of our at bats right now and, and that's scary it's scary when because that is an incredibly low amount of power and an incredibly low amount of consistency at the plate yeah. right so it's just that comes in um belt isn't back as of yet who knows if he comes back at all but um it maybe maybe retires i don't know but it's just it, it is a wild situation to think that the players needed more support. And all I could say is we needed a four hole hitter that would have given us a lot of support. And we don't. We're, we've just lost more offense. So to think that just attitude and just, you know, getting up early in the morning and just having a good perception is going to be what they need. And, and <laughs> I don't know, like him fighting little notes under the door to say, Hey, I, I I'm thinking about you. Is that going to make us hit? Like, I don't, I really don't understand his comments. They're we just... need more affirmations. You got to look in the mirror. I am a power hitter. Everybody likes me. I'm a power hitter. Everybody Ooh, likes me. <laughs> 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 yeah I, uh, I and, know. and you know what joel it's funny because I, I i rag on the people who constantly bring up jose barrios being pulled but i'm i'm just as guilty because i know my achilles heel and the thing i can't stop complaining about is the fact that they needed a cleanup hitter a power hitter at the trade deadline and they didn't go out and get it and i'm aware i i, I know the peripherals i know there was nothing available i know they would have had to greatly overpay but when you identify a need and then do nothing about it like it, it, it it's infuriating right so like we'll get into where they go from here that's kind of the next question here in discord and basically um 
trade rumors. So MLB trade rumors, they released an article saying the Rays are shopping Harold Ramirez. So in Discord, Sentimental Hygiene said, I'm actually really high on Harold Ramirez for platoon splits. He demolishes lefties. There's something to be said about IKF signing and how he can fill multiple roster roles, which is true. Something that IKF can do is play a lot of different positions, and that'll allow you to kind of cycle whatever DH through the, the lineup that you have. Uh, this could allow the Jays to fill the DH role with a platoon option of somebody like Ramirez and Jock Peterson while still allowing them to play the field occasionally. I have to wonder if an approach like this is better than signing one of the big DH bats left, especially considering the risk those particular bats have associated with them. Not sure where I fall on this one, but it is an interesting thought. And it is an interesting thought. And honestly, Joel, it's one of the least sexy thoughts out there, though. It's kind of like it's kind of like the predicament that the world is in with energy, right? Yeah. We need to get off oil and diversify energy. But man, it sure is nice to just have that one big oil company, you know, like the one energy. You're like, oh, yeah, oil. It's it's always oil. We don't need to worry about anything else. We can know about oil. And now it's like, well, we're going to get 10% from the solar and 10% from the wind and all this, right? And that's kind of the idea of what he's saying here with Harold Ramirez, right? It's like, yeah, there's a fit. And this is a very raised way of running a team. Would you be down for something like that if it works? Well, yeah. Uh, if, it, if, if it works is a nice caveat to that. Right? <laughs> if it works, are you down You're for like, that? You're like, if it works, um, of course. <laughs> um, the, the, the lineup, the fielding diversity that IKF has is, is true. Don't get me wrong. That, that's true. He can be slotted in multiple positions. His position in the lineup isn't diverse, though. This is a guy who slots nine. You know, right. and we've got a couple nine guys now. We've got a few yeah. more nine hole hitters than we need. And um, yeah. Kiermaier's like goal, Kiermaier's goal can't be being the best number nine hitter in baseball this year because we need him hitting seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost uh, a situation with, with him where you, I, I think I brought this up last year where you platoon him in the, in the, in the leadoff spot, right? Like, um, you, you go for more of a classy slap style leadoff hitter. Um, the idea of having Springer, if Springer is in any way producing like the way he should be, it's time to get him off the leadoff spot. Harold Ramirez coming in is always interesting. We, we always laugh about making deals with the Rays. You know, hey, let's just go make a, a deal with the Rays to see what they want, to see what we <laughs> don't give them, right? Yeah. Because they're going to turn that trade into, you know, two all-stars that we didn't even yeah. know we weren't even starting. And now they're all-stars over there. So you yeah, kind of go Cy, address that they'll, they'll turn a pitcher. They'll turn a pitcher into a Cy Young Award uh, vote getter who will then have to sit a year and a half during Tommy John's surgery. <laughs> that's true. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, see what they want then make sure that you don't trade those players then see what else they want <laughs> and then uh, yeah. go from there don't uh, don't just throw just don't throw away your whatever Tampa's first picks are because those guys are primed and then whoever they say that they want put those guys at the top of the lineup and start that guy opening day if it's a pitcher that's that's, that's right. what you've learned yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so we will move to the topic of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. moving to third base. This was something that we talked about on Wednesday. Again, we talked about it very freely, like we weren't being recorded and needed to back up everything we said. But you did make a very good point to me because I was very on the fence about this, but you were like, no, 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 I'm not saying 162 games a year, Vlad's our third baseman, but let's say 80, 90 games a year. And then we shuffle through the Rolodex that is IKF, Schneider, Biggio, Espinal. Like, my God, there's a lot of that on this team, which does make me think there's got to be something else coming down the pike, you know? Like, something's got to give here. But uh, it is an interesting thought. And it's funny because I will tell you, Joel, without a doubt, of all the topics that we brought up, this was the most divisive amongst Jays fans. <laughs> um, the comments range from, my God, the mental gymnastics you guys are going through to make this work is wild. Just sign a third baseman, problem solved. I mean... I, I kind of agree with that. Like there only is one right now. <laughs> there, yeah, there's only one right now. And we kind of have already gone through that. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is it's insane. They moved a 22 year old off third base so quickly, especially with how much rope they gave Bo. I love the idea of them giving him another chance. So we're not going to talk too much about this, but Joel, I'm curious if we don't return to Matt Chapman. Okay, let's start with this. Matt Chapman, one year. Yes? Right now, yes. Matt yeah. Chapman, six years. That's yeah, that's right. Isn't that hard? Like, and I, and, and I think that's what the Boris Corp is running into right now. I think this is the uh, struggle that they are dealing with with Matt Chapman is that there's not a lot of organizations lining up to give this guy term, right? I think there's a lot of organizations out there that would very happily do what the Dodgers did with Tay Oscar, which is overpay him on a one year deal. Can Matt Chapman get one year, 28 million? Probably. It's probably out there. And if I was the Blue Jays, I'd even be all right with that. Listen, by the way, I know that I've gotten some messages from people that have told me, that, you know, in pretty rude ways even, like, how can you be such a huge Matt Chapman fan? I, I, I cannot express to you folks how little of a fan I am of Matt Chapman, but I am terrified of the hole they have at third base. And I guess the... Enemy I know is better than the enemy I, you know, the old devil, you know, kind yeah. of adage there. And on a one-year deal, I really do think that Matt Chapman will bounce back to his career numbers. You know, I, I know how awful he was for those five months. I watched every game just like the rest of you. It was not fun. But where else does this team go outside of an outside the box way of doing it, which is, you know, I don't want to see them. Like, would you rather them move Vladdy there for 80 to 90 games, Joel, than to see IKF be pretty much the full-time third baseman? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me absolutely. too. Yeah. And, it, and believe me, it scares the shit out of me, by the way. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if he can do it, but would I try it? I think I'd try it at this point. I mean, if, if we're just filling this hot corner hole with what's on this team right now 
I, what are the options? I would rather, I would rather have 20 more errors and 20 more homers out of the third baseman spot. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. It's like, imagine IKF goes eight errors on the season and hits eight home runs. Yeah. I'd rather have 28 errors and 30 home runs. Yeah. From that. I know that's ridiculous. You want that many errors? Yes. I want that no. many outs. I want that many outs turned into base hits in exchange for 20 more home runs out of that spot. I will make that trade. I will and trade. And to all of you listening, to all of you listening, grounds crew members, let us know what you want. Like, like drop a comment here. If we're missing a piece to the puzzle here and you're just like, well, obviously, why don't you just, I, I, I'm worried about giving a Ralvis Martinez, a 21 year old, a rookie, the keys to that position. Okay. Cause you're going to deal with growing pains there. I worry about platooning Biggio and Davis Schneider, same sort of thing. And I don't even, I'm not even that worried about Schneider and Biggio's defense. I think that, They've improved a lot there, but again, I, I I want a sure thing at the hot corner. I want I want some power on the corner. I want some yes. power in my first baseman and my third baseman. There needs to be some power on this team. We're relying yeah. on Bo way too much to be like I, Bo should be our leadoff two hole guy. He's mm -hmm. probably going to have to hit four sometimes this year he's gonna have to hit all over the top four spots in the lineup. yeah um you don't have a consistent offense from any of your outfielders your second baseman or your catcher because kirk was all over the place last year and danny isn't consistently healthy so you don't have lineup spots that are consistently going to give you offense besides shortstop and first base Okay, you don't have a guarantee that any other spot is going to produce to league average. You know, yeah. league average. We, we we right now have a ninety OPS outfield, ninety OPS plus outfield. That's about what they project as. Um, you've got uh, now if you have a legitimate offensive hole at third base. I like like I said, I'm leaning more towards. 20 extra homers at third base, which is that's 80 total bases. Okay. I would rather have 80 more total bases offensively and sacrifice 20 total bases on defense. Mm -hmm. I would rather turn 20 outs into base hits and eight home runs into 28 homes because that is 60 more total bases. And that leads beautifully into this question from our uh, comment, I should say, from YouTube. Liam89 said, Vladdy needs a big bat hitting after him. If that doesn't happen, then the Jays are screwed and they might as well start the rebuild, which may be a little dramatic, but I, for negative comments, I actually agree with that so wholeheartedly. We already went into the big rant about how I really wanted. They, they haven't had a cleanup hitter. Like they haven't had a cleanup hitter since they moved to Oscar. There's no and protection behind Vlad and Bo. There's no protection at the top of that order for them. Like, I, the Blue Jays had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. leading the team with home runs with 26. They're the only team in baseball to not hit 30 home runs that made the playoffs, to have a 30 home run hitter. Like, this team was power-centric for the last three years. And then, yeah, last year came around and it flipped the script. Like, 
I'm with Liam, man. This team needs protection behind Vladdy. We we got out homered by our opponents. Is that not true? Our opponents yes. hit more home runs than we did last year. And that Joel, is, that's the first time in nine years. That is shocking. <laughs> that is shocking. We're a maxed out payroll team that's in the luxury tax brackets and we're getting out homered. That's just shocking to me. And considering what we were two years ago, how much power was on this team? We had an excess of power, and but it wasn't. It was it was an amount of power that you should have built on and 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 made a staple of this team for five six years, as opposed to gear shifting to defense and and pitching and 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 uh, I just I watched Moneyball for the three hundred fourteenth time yesterday, and it just <laughs> it still rings so true. It, that speech that Jonah Hill has there, where he's like. You know, is Johnny Damon a pretty good glove? Can he steal a base? Yeah. yeah. Is he worth the nine and a half million dollars that the Red Sox are paying him? No. No. Yeah. And it's just like, we're just, it just feels like we've got a team where we've gone all in that direction when the other direction to me was the one I wanted to stay in. It's more exciting. It's more fun to watch during the regular season. It's just, there's nothing more exciting than a three run bomb when you're down and, I think it's one of the biggest reasons, Joel, that there's been such a shift in the, I mean, for lack of a better term, vibes amongst the fan base. Like, I I cannot remember there being this sort of negativity towards the Toronto Blue Jays in my entire 41 years of, of, of being on this planet. Like, you know, like I've been a hardcore baseball fan since I was five, like, I cannot remember a fan base being so down and it's because they weren't an overly fun team to watch. And listen, I, I do want to reiterate here because we are going to get into some negative comments that I think the negativity surpasses where it actually should be. It's frustration with this front office. It's frustration in watching a power centric team become anemic at the plate. It's frustration with the way that the reporting on the Rogers side of thing and the way that this front office uh, addresses us as a fan base, right? You you constantly feel like you're being slapped and disrespected by this organization that you love. Like, that's my problem, man. I love this fucking team. I know that I can be biased at times, but I just don't see a scenario where they're not at least an 85 win team this year. No, that's not enough, by the way, not even close, but I just do think that maybe the negativity is becoming a little louder than it should be. Because if you look at the pitching and the bullpen, like the Jays aren't in that horrible of a spot. In fact, you could even put the spin on it of like, it's pretty crazy. They did what they did last year with the shit offensive production. And the fact that they, their former Cy Young vote-getting pitcher were, like, not there. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And what what's tough is that um, seeing Vladdy return to form, obviously, is, is so, so important for this team. And the support that, once again, he brought up the cleanup hitter stuff, Teo Lourdes going out, that's four and five. That's not just four. That was four and five hole hitters. So they go and and Vladdy is at his best when he doesn't have the entire pressure of the offense on him. That's when he's at his best. 
is when yeah. he's able to take pitches is when he's his walk and strikeout rate are, are close. That's the way he was in the minors was he had a similar, it, it was one-to-one. Every time he walked, he struck out. It was, it was one-to-one. That ratio has shifted in the last little bit because there's so much on him when he knows that the guy behind him most likely isn't, doesn't have the capabilities that he has to drive in the run. So he expands his zone. And the best version of him was him staying true to, like, his dad is one of the most aggressive hitters of all time, but the best Vladdy mm-hmm. we've ever seen was a patient Vladdy who was waiting yes, for his pitch 100%. and not missing it. And, and, that, and that came with faith and trust that the guys behind him could do, could drive in runs if he had to take that walk. And, and even just look at the 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 way the team was constructed in 2021. There was so much less pressure on Vladdy to be the guy, right? Marcus Simeon was taking a lot of that onto his shoulders. George Springer was having the best season he did with the Blue Jays. I know he only played half the year that year, but he was the guy they went out and paid $150 million for at the top of that lineup. So you've got Georgie hitting first. You've got Marcus hitting second. And then you've got Vlad slotted into the three hole, protected by Bo Bichette, protected by Teoscar Hernandez, protected by Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who uh, everyone knows that his wrist was hurting him that year and didn't have the power, but he was still putting up the numbers. Still found a way to hit to average and getting on base. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Still found a way to have a like a 114 OPS plus without any power. To me, that was mm-hmm. like that was impressive hitting. I know mm-hmm. he was taking a lot. He only hit five home runs that year. That was an mm-hmm. absolute quantity that we, mm-hmm. his, he, he hit a career high in home runs last year in Arizona with a much bigger ballpark. It is ridiculously hard to go center field in Arizona and there, the power came back. So it was just, yeah, it was really, it's really, really tough to see that. And this is another aspect of the game that I, I, you have to bring up is, when you gear yourself to win defensively, okay, we are in a day and age right now where 10 outs, 10 outs are strikeouts. So defensively, you're sitting there looking at the 27 outs that you need to acquire to end a game defensively, okay? And you're like, I need 17. Yeah, only about 16, 17 outs are actually in the field, okay? And you have no idea where they're going from a game to game basis. You have no idea where these outs are going to be acquired. You don't know if they're going to be, you could go three games in a row where left field does not make a singular catch that can mm-hmm. happen. Okay. There's a guarantee with your offensive lineup that everybody is going to get up three times. There is a guarantee that they will get up three times in the order that you put them in. If you get any hits, you're going to see a fourth time up, but that's the only thing that you can truly depend on now because you cannot Roll. This guy saves a lot of runs. Is he going to save a run when I need to? I can't. I can't dictate when that out is going to happen. I can't. I can't. But I can dictate my lineup order and how I throw my lineup and how I consistently build it to get runs. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So to bet the defensive side of things, where not. Don't get me wrong. Your outs on offense are the same thing. Strikeouts, but you at least know where those outs are going to go because it's a consistency of going through a lineup one through nine. You don't, it's not just first play, first base, second play, second base, third play, third base. It's not like that. So to 
bet and depend on defense where that you have no idea from game to game how that's going to be applied. You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't. So to try to find consistent consistency in a inconsistent place it has been it's shocking tough. to me when we had consistency in a consistent place. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Sean Fitzgerald's comment here from YouTube. Uh, again, everyone on YouTube, thank you so much for, for posting your comments and feel free to lay some down here and we'll try and get them to um, next mailbag. Uh, so Sean says, and, and curious on your thoughts on this. He says, one injury to the rotation and they will finish fifth in the AL East. Then you almost guarantee it's a sell-off at the trade deadline. Anyone believes anyone that believes the idiocy idiocy spewed in the press conference needs help. So I definitely agree with that last part. I mean, Ross Atkins, we know we t- we talked about him for forty-five minutes <laughs> last time we we zoomed together, Joel. Like, and by the way, when I say this, uh, I'm not putting this on the fans at all. But I mean. Ross Atkins hasn't changed over eight years. Like if you are about to watch a Ross Atkins press conference and you're expecting to like him more than you do right now as a Jays fan, that's on you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's, to, 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 once again, uh, to, to bring up Moneyball, that scene when Billy Bean walks into the Cleveland uh, front office and there's nine guys in there and Shapiro goes meet the team. Right. You know, it's just like that. Ross is a, he is one of 14 people, you know, he is our GM, but he is not some guy who takes onus on himself. He's not saying the buck stops here. We failed last year. It's my fault. What was I doing? I completely botched this. No, it's this political stuff. It's this, Mm -hmm. No answers given, but oh my God, did you say a lot of words to say nothing? Mm-hmm. And and it's just that. And it's really, this time, it, it, it was borderline offensive to listen and, and be like, is that your honest opinion? of No, it's not. Like, it's obvious. How can it be, Joel? Like, honestly, right? honestly, how can it be? And, and, and all this stuff with Otani, where he's like, oh no, I was like, like, don't get me wrong. We were op- we we got optimistic. We got optimistic with the Otani stuff. All the Blue Jays fans did. That was some insanely optimistic times with all the news. MLB yeah. Network saying there's a sixty percent chance and all of that stuff. But like when you pull back and you Joel, at we were getting situation. Soto and Otani. Remember those oh, days? God. Yes, we were. And <laughs> and Yamamoto, and they were going to defer it all and accept Canadian money. And Otani was going to become prime minister. I remember. I, I I said that we would go back to the monarchy and just put a crown on his head yeah. and name him the King of Canada. I was happy for that. Um, but the the fact of the matter was he was not coming off the West Coast. He wasn't. He he is that. Look at the highest rated baseball games ever viewed in history. Those come from the WBC, from involving the Japanese fan base. Yeah. He's not coming off of the West Coast. He wasn't. And to be sat there and, and to be asked the question, do you think that you were manipulated into building up? And, and clearly you can't say yes to that. I understand yeah. that you can't say yes to that. But that was much more likely the case. That was much more likely the case of, uh, let's see if we can put another $100 million on this contract by going yeah. to Dunedin showing some interest here. And 
for him to put all his eggs in that basket and then be so delayed when it comes to free agency because you had all of your eggs in that basket when Anthopolis knew he wasn't getting Otani. Yeah. So what was he doing? He's going and making deals for Aaron Bummer and he was going and making deals for Chris Sale because he's like, I'm going to do my free agency. Yeah, I'm going to do my free agency. All free agency because I'm not going after Otani and Yamamoto. I know that. Yeah. So I'm ready to go into free agency right now. And and he goes and he makes moves to make his team better. That's already stacked. It's already loaded with five guys hitting 35 bombs locked up long-term. And I just, I just can't help but go. The worst thing that ever happened to the Blue Jays was Shapiro and uh, Anthopolis meeting in 2015 and the right guy left and the wrong guy stayed. And Oh God, because that's a guy who takes onus on himself. That's a guy who says, it's all on me. I'm the GM. I'm going to go out and make the moves. And when we win, it's because I put a good team on the field. And when we lose, it's because we didn't. And I just, oh, when we have this political system of run by committee, it's nobody's fault. Who's making Which the decisions? Just, just to, and I do want to clear that people are going to be so pissed because I, I, everyone <laughs> loves when we pile on Atkins. So I do want to clear up here. Anthopolis was offered the general manager job in 2015 offseason. He turned it down. And yes, I do think a lot of the reasons why he turned it down was he was offended that after the incredible trade deadline that, but, but this is the thing people forget. Anthopolis was on the verge of being fired in 2015. This is why he did what he did at the trade deadline with a 50 and 52 team. Like he went out and got David Price, Ben Revere, you know, low in the bullpen. He got Tulowitzki. I mean, dude, it was incredible what he pulled off. So when I, they already had Shapiro lined up, and the, I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is just that there is this narrative that Rogers screwed him over, Anthopoulos would never got the offer. That that's not how this played out. But it was, I do believe it was they're going to shift. Yeah, and Thoblis turned it down because they were going to be like, it's it's a by committee now. Yes, you're the you're yes. the general manager, but you actually have less say than you did one month ago, and he just mm, wasn't yes, into and, that. Yeah, and I am all for trusting in that one man than whatever this damn committee is. They've got fifteen uh, brains that aren't equal to one. And <laughs> so just to just to finish on Sean's comment here, Joel, do you think yes. that things are as dire? If uh, again, just to his first part of the comment was one injury to the rotation and they will finish fifth in the AL East. Do you think it's that dire? We were pitching last year. We were just we, that's who we were. So if I and last year, if you took one of those guys out, where we're if we lose Bassett, are we in the postseason last year? I don't think so. If we no, lose Gosman last year, are we in the postseason? I don't think so. If we lose Barrios, are we in the postseason? I don't think so. So I think now it's that a pretty said, point. that said, if you had told me in April of last year, Scott Alec Manoa is going to contribute a negative war to the team over this season, is this a playoff team? I honestly would have said no. Yes, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Yeah. So as as much as I do, I I do think there is some validity to what Sean is saying here, you know, especially with how healthy this starting pitching rotation was in over the year. Uh, 
it is kind of impossible to see what's coming around the corner because, my God, Kikuchi rebounded. I Like, who would have guessed that Yusei Kikuchi would be putting up a 3.6 ERA and be one of the best pitchers in this rotation? Like, I wouldn't have guessed that either. Yeah, it was arguably four career years. Yeah, which is scary as fuck. <laughs> right that it is that is what's scary is yes. that it was legitimately four career years i think bassett has had better era seasons but uh, 200, 200 innings dude 200 right? like, innings like when was the last workforce. time a blue jay like marcus stroman is the answer yeah. that was the last time someone pitched 200 innings it's eight years ago it's yeah. something like that um no it's could could a situation what would have to arise is the exact opposite of last year if we were to lose a Bassett you would have to see the opposite of Manoa where Manoa magically comes back and returns to form and everything is forgotten and he's happy to pitch for the Blue Jays and all of that drama is put aside then yes we could lose one mm-hmm. um could we lose one with uh Tiedemann magically coming up and 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 filling that slot yes yeah Odin Francis that pitched absolutely exceptionally last yeah, year absolutely Sorry, that face wasn't about uh, – I wasn't being negative on Bowden Francis, but, uh, yeah, it scares the shit out of me, the idea of, of, of Bowden Francis being the guy we're going to rely on if Jose Barrios, God forbid, knock on all the wood, I won't even say it, but has a bad taco, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's scary what you have to rely on if that bad taco happens. Um, but, yeah, it is – I, I feel like it's a situation with where you lost pieces of the lineup. You saw the lineup fall apart. If, if you lose a really big piece of that pitching staff, which is half the size of the lineup, it's only five people deep, you're going to see a, a similar decrease. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like if we want to compete for a postseason, we better replicate that pitching performance from, from those starters. Like, And that is a very scary thought. It is a very scary thought that they have to go out and do it all over again. Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. Like, are we at the point where, you, like, I'm almost at the point where I'm looking around the landscape of what's left for free agents. And obviously the Blue Jays need to land. And I think they are going to land one of Jock Peterson, J.D. Martinez, Reese Hoskins, uh, Jorge Soler. Like, there are guys out there. And I think the Blue Jays are going to get one of them. But I'm almost at the point of like, fuck it. Let's double down on pitching and defense then. Like if that's if if all we're going to get out there is Jorge Soler, then let's sign Blake Snell. I know he walks a lot of dudes, but Blake Snell is the guy who has dominated in the AL East in the past. You look at Kukuchi, and he is a free agent at the end of the year. So there is a reason to double back down. There's going to be a hole, right? Relying on Alec Manoa to rebound is a scary proposition. Although I do think that it's, I, I do think that he's going to be better than last year. But that's also because he can't be, he can't be worse. Um, yeah. And then Pete Walker look, and lefties. Pete Walker and lefties. Beat me to his it. Is walks. Beat me to it. Beat me to hey, it. His his issue is walks. What does Pete Walker do with lefties? He gets them in the zone. Yep. Right. That's what he does. That's if he if he's the master of one thing, it's it's sliders and getting lefties to to hit their spots. 
So um, it's, I wanted to double down on offense in 2021. I wanted to double down. I wanted to bring in yeah. more offense. I wanted yeah. Freddie Freeman. I wanted more. I wanted, here's our offense. It's incredible. Let's go get more. Let's yeah. go hit more home runs and score even more runs. Now we're a pitching defense team. We didn't double down when we should have. I, and now this is a chance that we have where do I want this? Do I want Blake Snell? It's it's a risky proposition, but it is it's a it's a win now move. Yeah. And it's where we are. We're in a win now situation with the players, with the front office. They have to prove that they know what they're doing, that they're not just gonna have inconsistent years. And it gives you a situation where potentially you can move some, you, you could move a Kikuchi along with a Berea or a, a Biggio and an Espinal. Maybe you throw in a Davis Schneider and you go for a bat through a trade, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the, the player that you want to have fill this lineup might not be there for you, but he might be on another team and that other team may be happy with a, a legit, top three starter, which Kikuchi projects to be probably this year. If he repeats a four, if he goes a four ERA, that's a valuable third, fourth guy for a team that needs pitching. Um, you throw in a, a young rookie like a Davis Schneider and a, a guy who you know what you're getting with an Espinal mm -hmm. or a Biggio, yeah. then maybe that returns you that singular piece that, you slot four or five in your lineup and fills that hole that we can't fill from free agency. So it's weirdly I, like enough, a move, a move a like a move, like what you're talking about with, let's say the San Diego Padres where you're bringing in a Hassan Kim, and then you're also going to go out and get a Jorge Soler. And that changes the landscape of this entire offense it honestly does you know so i i really do think you're on to something there that they need another piece in this lineup on top of whatever dh they go out and sign right because we know they're going to do that you know like again we talked about it martinez hoskins peterson uh solaire like one of them probably slot into this lineup but i want to i want it deeper joel i want you know like um, well, does it like look at how much depth? Let's go back to the Vladdy third base thing, right? You you make a move for Reese Hoskins for a one year deal because he's coming off injury. I think there's a one year deal very similar to the Teo deal out mm -hmm. there for Reese. Um, gives him an opportunity to go hit 35 home runs and set his value in, in you know 100 million plus, um, and then. And then say you make a move for a, a JD or you make a move for a Solaire, right? You do those mm -hmm. two. Then you're running three, four, five Vladdy Hoskins, JD Martinez, you know? Mm -hmm. And you are feeling so much better about this team offensively. Don't get me wrong. These aren't guys who are going to blast around base paths, but they're going to blast balls out of the stadium. And, then you're then you feel like you have a core lineup that Vladdy can pass the baton to. Vladdy can pass the baton to JD Martinez hitting behind yeah. Reese Hawkins hitting behind that. Kiermeyer in the in, in the in the one spot and George Springer in the six. Like all of a sudden you have a lineup that looks like it can go out there and win you games with the bats. So 
does the defense look that sexy? No, it's we're gonna we're gonna see some errors, but you're gonna see a few more three run home runs when we need them, and uh, that Lord knows we need them. <laughs> oh my God, do we ever? So yeah, so um, these a big these piece, next, yeah, yeah. So these next two comments made me laugh. Uh, this one from YouTube, Scott Carter says it is Oakland's fault Toronto does not have a third baseman. It's their job to produce third baseman for the Blue Jays, <laughs> which you know, That's really good. you look at the the last two biggest producers at the hot corner, and that was thanks to Oakland. Uh, and then while we're talking of DHs and and that sort of thing here, Mark Ryan, this one made me laugh. He said. I like the section. So this was from uh, Adam and I, uh, our mailbag last Tuesday. He said, I like the section where you talked about free agent DHs, compared them all to Brandon Belt, but didn't talk about signing Brandon Belt. (laughs) Um, And I think Mark Ryan is on the same page as us here in that Brandon Belt, I'll sing his praises forever. I loved the dude. I thought he did exactly what the Blue Jays brought him in to do last year. His numbers were great. He hit lefties really well. He even platooned at first quite admirably when Vladdy was struggling. So do I want Brandon Belt back? No. But it's not because of his offensive production. It is because I can't stomach a 4-5 in this lineup of Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk on the base pass, dude. Like, I am just, I I, I think there was a comment when we brought this up on Friday where it was something like, yeah, you need to hit a triple to bring Kirk in from second. Mm -hmm. Like, you need Brandon Belt, Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk first and second base. Like, fuck me, man. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I don't even and, dislike them. I, I I do see a lot of upside with both their bats, but my God, them on the base path, Joel, I, I, I don't want to watch it. I just don't want to watch no. it. No, and not, not only that, it's, it's the fact that Brandon Belt was playing first base in DH for us last year and could stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He can't stay healthy at the least um, physically yeah. demanding position in baseball. And for a good chunk of the year, he was our best hitter for like, I believe June through the end of the season, he was probably our best hitter. Mm-hmm. And that, that it, it really sucks. But when you do have two guys who have, if you're playing MLB, the show, these guys have zero speed. They have zero base running aggressiveness. They have, they are zero in the speed Bait. category. Yeah. Station and to station. Absolutely. And on a push towards a faster team where we went Kiermaier, Varsho, Whit Merrifield last year, and we were trying to run, there were these, you know, absolute... Two square yeah. pegs. Yeah. Well, that everyone else move. was a round peg through a round hole. <laughs> exactly. And it's a situation where the league has shown what speed is now with the all the changes, 70 stolen bases is a thing. Mm-hmm. If you can steal a bag, you can steal the way that they used to steal in the 80s. So that is this, an absolute... Speaking of, 70, 
Speaking of 70 stolen bases, I saw this um, stat the other day. If Ronald Acuna Jr. steals 73 bases, so 73 bases last year led the entire Major League Baseball in stolen bases, incredible feat, 23 years old, okay? If Ronald Acuna Jr. steals 73 bases a year for the next 16 years, so until he's 40 years old, he will still finish second to Ricky Henderson in all-time stolen bases. Was it was he got 1403 or something? It's Yeah, isn't that insane? Like he was ripping 130 at one point. Um just like I I I sometimes wonder if Ricky is the greatest baseball player ever. Because it, it, Blue Jays fans know what it's like. He 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 beat the Blue Jays um in what 90 91 90 that he had a series against them where his like yeah. on base was 600 stole like nine bases yeah just just an and then abs- they went out and got him like in 93 yeah. they're like well, that's right know? and th- you know what's funny ricky henderson led the team in stolen bases that year and he was so far past his prime that was the end of his like you know like he was like in his mid-30s and he was still putting up 50 the, stolen bases like just insane the longevity to do that and the the, the the ruggedness of those head first slides that he would mm-hmm. take. And yeah, that's just, it's wild to see. And, and Acuna bringing it back is just such an exciting, exciting aspect to the game. So yeah, I, I, it is speed is back, you know, speed is back. And to have speed is back two snails on a team that has a little bit of speed is uh, it just doesn't, it's just not conducive. So yeah. Okay, so we are getting long in the tooth here. We have three more questions, so we'll rip through these. Uh, Aaron Ginsberg from YouTube. So mailbag last week, Adam and I had a question about how poor the Blue Jays minor league system was ranked. And I had just seen an article about how the Blue Jays are kind of on the upswing there. They actually were ranked by Baseball America as the sixth best team for pitching prospects in all of baseball and this is from aaron ginsburg who said six best pitching prospects in baseball fourth best in the al east god i hate this division and that made me laugh because i did give the teams that were above them and it was the yankees the red Sox, and the orioles and you're just like good lord like and the rays are sitting there at like seven right? like the rays are just like right there like come on uh robert ma on youtube says curious why we curious why do you have so little faith in davis schneider's ability to hit well in the upcoming year don't we normally allow hitters to adjust and he is brand new to the jays so This is actually a question that we have gotten asked quite a bit. Just so everyone knows, I am not down on David Schneider. I think that he has some serious potential and really could be a a cog no one saw coming in this offense, right? Like, I really do think he could be a guy that solves so many of our problems that we've been talking about for the last hour. That said, and Adam put it best. To take a 24-year-old who's played 33 games and give him the keys to third base and expect him to hit 30 home runs and expect him to be defensively capable, it's a big ask. 
And it's not so much that I don't believe in Davis Schneider. I really do. I mean, friend of the show, what he has done for the walk-off is he, since we, we've been talking to him, Joel, since he was a Vancouver Canadian, he's been on the show yeah. almost half a dozen times. He came down and did the show live. Like I love Davis Schneider, but I've watched a lot of baseball. We see guys get hot, small sample sizes. I think Davis Schneider is going to be a very good player. I think he's going to contribute a lot to this team. I think it is unfair to put the hopes and dreams of 2024 on Davis Schneider. Yeah, we're. it's not anything against David Schneider. It's where the Blue Jays are in this window of competitiveness. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you are a 72-win team that is mid-rebuild, you have no problem sending out an untested second baseman, third baseman to go earn a spot. You don't yeah. mind that. This is not that situation. Um most of the time, most of the time as a Blue Jays fan in the history of this franchise, you're not going into this. That's this, this is mean to say, but you're not going into the season saying we better make the playoffs, right? We've, yeah. we've been a fourth place team. We've been through the history of this organization. How many times have we made the playoffs in the last 30 years? It, it, there was a big, huge gap there after 94 to, to 2015. So, there's this understanding that in any of those years, we're a fine year to run David Schneider out to see what he is. But here we are with everything on the line, everything on the line to prove it to our young studs that this is the place to stay. Everything on the line when it comes to we just loaded a whole bunch of money into the stadium. We want to pack it full of fans. We have to be competitive now. This is our window. We've spent all this money on pitching. The, the expectations to win now are on something you, you need to have something dependable or a track record mm-hmm. at this point with those positions. So the reason it's not down on David Schneider, it's just David Schneider doesn't have a thousand major league at bats yet. He doesn't have. And, and that's, that's the thing, right? Like everyone says 1500 plate appearances. Yeah. That's when you kind of figure out who a guy is. And David Schneider is, is he's almost three seasons back. away from that. Yeah. Yes. Like, no, exactly. And that's, 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 it is in, I, are you kidding me? He was the hottest hitter to ever start a major league baseball career. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we cannot deny the fact that if he doesn't come up last year, we're probably not in the playoffs. Yeah. We're probably not. He probably saved our season. Lunch. He probably saved our season. That series yeah. in Boston, like they were literally circling the toilet, you know, yeah. like it was just Boa just gotten injured. They weren't hitting at all, like at all. Like, and you can, you can kind of use that as a blanket statement for this team in 2023. But I don't think people remember how dire it was in August when Davis Schneider came up. Like when I say they weren't hitting, I mean, nobody was hitting. Everyone falling out of the playoffs. They were, they were getting three to four hits a game for like over a week. Like they were in desperate need of anybody. And Davis Schneider comes out and is a fucking hero, man. He, he comes up from Buffalo, puts the whole team on that mustache, man. Like it was, it was magic. It was one of those moments 
that Blue Jays fans will remember for years and years and years, right? A young kid comes up and provides the best 30 games in baseball history mm-hmm. to a call-up. It's incredible. So I love David Schneider. But I, I uh, the only thing I'm saying is that, like, you know, and I think, Joel, you put it very eloquently and very perfectly. The window, man. It, the window, right? Kikuchi's got one year left. Bassett has two years left. Gosman has three years left. Bo has two years. Vlad has two years. Springer has three years. Like, man, time is running out. This isn't the 2021 Blue Jays anymore where the skies were blue and there was nothing but green pastures ahead, right? Like, the window's closing. And so what I would love to see happen is Davis Schneider force his way into this everyday player position. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I it hope is that very possible. That is, that I is, think it's very possible. And I think they're going to give him some rope. He deserves a chance, right? Absolutely. He has done enough to prove that they can literally sit him down and be like, listen, we're not giving you second base, but the spot is yours to lose. Go get him, kid. That's yeah. what I want to see them treat David Schneider like, right? He so. can go and take that spot in, in spring training. Yeah. That's the take position that we're in. Yeah, exactly. Take it in spring. If he goes out, bats three fifty with some power and is looks consistent at the plate, and you can't see him, there doesn't seem to be a, a weakness. You're you're running him out at second base. He yeah. has all, all the opportunity right now to be a, uh, a kind of a lower touted prospect. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He's not a first overall draft pick, but he has all the potential right now after what he did last year to. And to be able to say that is mm-hmm. pretty amazing for him to be able to go mm-hmm. where he was last year to say in 2024, you have the chance to go out in spring training and grab a starting spot on this team. And that's, and that's pretty and amazing. Davis, Davis Schneider is a guy too, that has dealt with a lot of obstacles throughout his minor league career. And there is something really to be said about that, to be said about, being able to figure out a slump because I know the first time we ever had Davis on the podcast was early 2022. He had just been graduated to the Fisher cats. He was in double a and he had come off one of the more difficult seasons he had ever had in the minors because in May of 2021, he was with the Vancouver Canadians and gang, just so you know where he was, he was on the bench. He was on the bench at 21 years old in high a like that just literally that screams you're done and he found a way out of it he found a power swing something that he didn't have before so you know what there i do have a lot of hope for davis and i i I think that someone who has dealt with the struggles and the turmoil of almost failing I mean, the 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 ceiling's so much higher for those guys. So I am high on David Schneider. But again, for all the reasons we just said, is why maybe it comes across sometimes like we're being negative on him. I, I'm not, though. I think he's no. got a great career ahead of him. It's just where the Blue Jays are at and where I want to see these holes in the lineup addressed. And then, and then, if David Schneider provides the extra and, and can – force his way into being an everyday guy. Hell yeah, man. You know, hell yeah. Anyways, we'll end on this. Joel, I just want to say thanks again, buddy. I always love talking baseball with you, man. I know Adam's so sick and out of it. So 
It's great to have you. Um, We'll end on a Patreon. This is from Wyatt. He says, sounds like a fun trip, Scott. Glad you're having fun. It's going to be minus 25 this week in Alberta near the SAS border. So definitely soak that weather up while you can. I'm actually in Santa Domingo right now. Uh, catching the Lysi Tigers and the Escajito Lions tonight, which I'm very excited about. Uh, he says, I have asked a few. So now he's talking about um, the Teoscar signing and just the Dodgers in general. So he says, I have asked a few Dodgers fans on X and YouTube because I was actually very curious how they viewed these deferrals. And the general consensus is enjoy the hell out of these first 10 years while it's awesome. Don't worry about the next 10 years. <laughs> and then hopefully there's more than one World Series to show for it. Only one and it'll be a failure. One World Series in 20 years won't hold a fan base. Look at the Yankees after winning three and then not winning one for 10 years. Every year they are pissed off. And that is very true. So I asked you this on our Patreon part before we actually uh, hit record on the public side. But... Is one World Series from the Dodgers in this 10-year window with Shohei, is that a failure? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, it, it's got to be a failure. With Next year, he opens back up as a pitcher, and they're going to be rolling Otani, Yamamoto. Uh, they, they've got their two aces. And then with with so many MVPs in the lineup, we were going beyond having all-stars in the lineup to having multiple MVPs. Yeah. And if they don't pull off some sort of, if, if San Francisco with the lineups that they had can win three in a decade Mm -hmm. and this Dodgers team only wins one, San Francisco giants fans are going to be laughing for all eternity because this team is as stacked, talented, talent wise and there's still there's still room because of these deferral payments to probably do a little bit more and that's mm-hmm. what's scary so they they have the opportunity now to you know add pieces over those 10 years because of that deferral right we we talked about how when you add otani to any one of these signings and the fact that it's 2 million a year it instantly becomes a great deal like yeah. oh teo for 24 million a year that's really expensive but teo and otani for 26 million a year that's a what great a deal, deal. That's just, it instantly <laughs> becomes an amazing deal when you just throw otani's 2 million a season yeah. on top of oh glasnow yamamoto teoscar is 70 million for the three like, but it's 72 <laughs> with otani and you're just like what a deal it's so yeah. it's yeah if they can't with this absolute gift of the two-way talent and the fact that he doesn't want to be paid until he's not even playing anymore yeah if you can't win with that you've been given everything to win and if you can't win with that then yeah one win is not enough it's not mookie Betts mvp Freddie Same. Freeman, MVP. Shohei Otani, MVP. They just signed the best starting pitcher at the youngest age for the longest term in Major League Baseball history in Yamaha. Three MVPs in Japan. Three MVPs in Japan. Clayton Kershaw, uh, like, MVP. So, <laughs> grounds crew, let me know. Like, let us know. What do you think? We'll kind of do a poll here. Uh, if Adam's feeling up for it, maybe we'll actually put the poll right there so you guys can actually do it. But if not, drop it in the comment section here. 
Do you think one World Series in this 10-year window for the Dodgers is enough? Is it a failure? Is it a success if they just get one? All right, we'll wrap it up there. I know this was a long one. Thank you so much, everybody, for all your questions and comments at Walk Off Podcast on Instagram or uh, on Twitter, I should say, the Walk Off Podcast on Instagram. Join the Discord. That's a part of the Patreon. If you are a Patreon member, you get that bump and an automatic uh, into the mailbag you go. Honestly, everybody, thank you so very much. All the best. Take care of yourselves. Cheers.